Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa pad- podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. As we enter the international break, we have some issues to chew over, not least, le- not least the recent defeat to Tottenham Hotspur last Sunday. As ever, I'm Andy, and today I'm joined firstly by Craig. Hello, Andy. Uh, wonderful to be back. Another interesting Aston Villa performance to digest from uh, the weekend, and I'm looking forward to um, discussing it all. Excellent. Th- thanks for joining us, and, and also making a, a very welcome uh, return. They do say never go back, but but um, Mr. Mark Jerobi is ignoring that. Welcome back, Mark. <laughs> I wasn't ignoring now. I'll, I'll always be here when you guys come calling. What's going on, everybody? Mark Jerobi here. As always, if you ever want to follow me, I'm in and out of the podcast right now. A lot of a lot of work stuff kicking my ass. I don't get a lot of time to do stuff like this anymore, sadly. But hopefully it changes soon. But yeah, you can find me over on Twitter at VillamarkPGH for some top tier. At least I like to think top tier Aston Villa tweets every now and again. So yeah, crack, th- thrilled to uh, talk about the Spurs game and the, the latest uh, kind of poor run of former in now, Andy. Yeah, I mean it's good good to have you back on again, Mark, and uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us today. Yeah, so you know, looking back on on the on the game yesterday, and uh, it was a match really built from the other side of the the dugouts from uh, the the potential end game for Jose Mourinho at Spurs, uh, having lost the the North London derby last week and and then being dumped out of the the Europa League on Thursday. It seemed a bit like a sort of squeaky bum time for Jose. But for Villa, once again, it was a strange kind of build-up. Uh, the weird smoke and mirrors around Jack Grealish's uh, injury, um, which you know obviously ended with him uh, being absent from the team sheet again. Um, no surprises really with that. Um, but Bertrand Traore and, and and Matty Cash returned to the team, which was which was a welcome boost. And also Morgan Sanson making his second start for the club. Villa started pretty well in this one and, and Spurs looked all at sea defensively. But the forwards really looked toothless in that final third and despite looking like they might force an opening, um, you know, they just couldn't couldn't find couldn't find a way through even to that, that, that to make a chance and have a shot at goal. You know, we talked before about Villa's system and how they struggled without Grealish. Um it seems Dean Smith is really yet to find a way of of compensating for when his captain is not there, um, over three injury spells really in his during his tenure. Um, firstly, Craig, what are your thoughts on this, and and is it as as simple as just missing Jack Grealish? Um, well, uh, my thoughts on this are that it's it's beginning to get concerning. Now, obviously, we spoke at length last week about Dean Smith and about how wonderful a job he's done. However, that doesn't mean that he's immune from criticism. I think this is a moment where he should be criticised. I think 
I looked at the numbers. Dean Smith's win percentage with Jack Grealish is 45%. Uh, without Jack Grealish, it's 18%, which is relegation form. It's not just relegation form, it's bottom, bottom of the table, Sheffield United style form. And that is unacceptable. I'm not going to try and dress it up um, as anything other than unacceptable. Now, what I think the problem is, and we've talked a little bit about this last week, is the system. Without We we normally set up to play for and through Jack Grealish because obviously he is not only our best player, he's one of the best players in the league, so that makes sense. However, what does not make sense is continuing to play this system when he is not there because it doesn't suit the other players we have. It doesn't suit uh, Watkins, it doesn't suit El Ghazi, it doesn't suit Trezeguet, it doesn't suit the midfielders, it doesn't suit John McGinn, um, it doesn't suit any of them other than Grealish when he's not there. So Dean Smith's failure to address this is really disappointing and I think that's something that he needs to really look at moving forward. Yeah, what, what, what do you make of that, Mark? What do you, what, what's your take on that? No, I, I think Craig's, you know, com- completely right to be honest i mean it just seems like the system's not working it hasn't been working for a while you know we talked right before we uh we just started recording about the fact that villa haven't scored more than two goals since january 27th now jack Grealish has been a part of that for a couple of those games but same point in time it's just it doesn't seem like there's anything really working i mean even just look at the most recent spurs game trezeguet and Traore just look completely off of it I mean, their their passing statistics are down. They're not looking like they're getting forward. They're not looking like even the small glitter of like, oh, okay, maybe these guys are okay and they're going to be here to move us forward as a club. They're not even really doing anything like that anymore. It's it's kind of concerning to me. Um, you know, we'll get into the whole thing, what happens in the summer and things like that. But as of right now, like everyone's, everyone's talking about it. It's starting to, you know, it's not saying that Dean's on the hot seat, but it's starting to heat up. Like, what's the plan B here? What do we do when Jack's not in the side? And I, I don't want to just put it just down squarely to Villa are a one-man team. I think that Villa are a one-man team kind of for now until we start to solidify that. But as far as a formation change or maybe thinking about playing things differently when Jack's there, it's different. But, you know, when you lose that talisman and that captain and now he's now Jack Grealish is popular enough that he does impact games and teams know how to face him out of games. Um, so, you know, you don't have 11 people on the other side just constantly looking at Jack Grealish. You know, that that's a big thing. He can You can use him as a decoy. You can let him, you know, run around on his day. But when he's not there, man, you have to, like, just as a coaching staff, you have to know, like, okay, so what what is our end game? How are we getting this ball up the pitch? Because honestly, you know, against Tottenham, the, the front three weren't there. Ollie Watkins is on an island. Trezeguet's not getting forward. I think he, he only made... I don't know some kind of crazy amount of passes. Traore, I think, I think he went eleven for seventeen. That's it's not getting it done in the Premier League. Those are woeful numbers. But I don't know, Andy. Do you think I'm being a little harsh? Do you think that um, no one, no one's calling for Dino's head here? I don't think. But you know what, what's really going on? No, I don't, I don't think anyone is um, questioning um, Smith to that extent. Where they might think maybe it's time for a change. I think that that would be. No, I mean that's that's just not where where we're going. But like Craig says, I suppose it's it's looking at actually this is this is quite a big blind spot, isn't it? Here with with Smith, you know, and I've I've got a, a good friend who's a who's a Warsaw fan, and when when Dean Smith was at Warsaw, it was a similar thing with with Romain Sawyer's at Warsaw. You know, everything went through him, and if he wasn't playing, the the game plan fell apart, and and that's that's something which has kind of followed to Villa now. I don't. I think it's easier said than done. I don't think it's necessarily as easy as Jack Grealish is missing, so we need to find another way of playing. Um, 
And I do think, naturally, it's the same with, with, with Tottenham, with Harry Kane. I thought Harry Kane was was absolutely outstanding last night and he, it, you really saw how, how he makes everything operate for Tottenham. But I just think it's a natural thing and, and, and suddenly when the player's not there, you know, you are asking other players to kind of step in and, and do some of that work and, and do some of that... That those wonderful things that that Jack Grealish does, obviously in their way, in their own way, but it hasn't happened, and it's really for me, it's it's really kind of it's it's not so much Dean Smith, it's it's really kind of left um, a, a real hole in 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 what we thought about the squad, I think, and and where we thought we were at. You know, these players look a lot better when Jack Grealish is in the team, and that's 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 everyone, you know. Similar, I would imagine, with the defence. You know, we've talked about Mings before, and I'm sure if if Mings was missing, I think even someone like Konza might struggle a little bit because just his presence there and his organisation and everything like that helps these players along. And I just think having Grealish as as that, you know, just just orchestrating everything um, is is it's obviously going to be a huge a huge loss. Yeah, I think it's he is a generational talent, and he is our talisman, and there's no question. But I think, I think what Dean Smith, where Dean Smith impressed me a great deal was during Project Restart, the fact that he was pragmatic and he came out in interviews and he said, "Okay, we acknowledged actually the team wasn't quite as good as maybe I wanted them to be, and so we had to adjust accordingly. We had to keep it a little bit tight, and then we were kind of relying on set pieces." And, uh, and it worked and we stayed up and we, you know, we had a wonderful run in the last 10 games of the season. I think I would like to have seen a little bit more of that pragmatism come back from Dean Smith for him to acknowledge that, OK, we are not creating chances. We're not doing well. These players are not able to play the system in the way I want to play it. So let's mix it up a little bit, which lots of people have been talking about Conor Hurahan or Harahan, I'm sorry. And, and, and I think... I think I would prefer to have seen a switch to a more solid lock, post-lockdown system and then try and nick a goal from a set piece. And I know that that sounds like we're going backwards um, just until we can fill the squad out with the players that we need. I think that the players aren't at the right level. We, we spoke about that last week. I did a whole rundown of all the clubs the players have played for and their CVs are not very good. You know, all of them are playing kind of at the highest level they ever have. So... I think that, I don't know if it's ego from Dean Smith, but, um, you know, Klopp does it and Guardiola does it. You know, they're like, this is the way we play full stop. But they have the players to do that. They're not relying on Trezeguet and Keenan Davis with the greatest respect to, um, you know, to implement tactics and, and, and movements which might be beyond their capabilities. No, I, I think you're totally right, Craig. And a, a lot of people aren't really thinking about it right now that we're we're not even, like, I don't know, four or five steps into getting this club back to where it needs to be, you know, not even on a, you know, we have the finances to do that, but I mean, yeah, everyone wants the success when you watch any team, it doesn't matter what sport it is. You want your, the team that you support or the team that's close to your heart to be successful, but where Aston Villa have come from to where they are now are, are completely worlds apart, you know, 13th through the championship to now we're sitting around, you know, mid table with, I think what, 10 games to go, 11 games to go, something like that. So, you know, now, now that we're doing this, like we're starting to make pushes, you're going to have, you know, times like this where the, the 
the form isn't necessarily the greatest. Um, I think you're correct in saying that it's going to come down to who we bring in the door. Um, Jack Grealish naturally makes the players around him better, just like you said, because, again, the, the other players around him aren't world beaters. Um, but once you start financially supporting the club, which the owners will do, I have absolutely zero, zero like I'm, I'm saying like less than the ground's worth of I know they're going to spend money this summer to get players in the door that kind of mirror. And I'm not going to say they're going to be to the exact quality of Jack Grealish because we know how good Jack Grealish can be. It's not a secret anymore. But they're going to start bringing in players in positions to where it's like, okay, well, we got to have a couple more so we can play this system. You know, this this harks all the way back into when Villa were over here for the preseason in Minnesota in 2019 that I went to and heard, you know, the comments from Christian Perslow saying, no, we're going to play this way and we're just going to play this way. And that was great to hear at the time. And then we went through the season last year and it was just like, okay, you know, like this is this is how we're playing. You know, like no, you need to make a change. You have to, and you know, maybe Villa got a little bit of luck with the stoppage of the season and everything, so Dean can look, you know, what was going on and make the changes. But I'm right there with you. I don't know why if it's not working with Jack out and you try, kind of go towards that, try to try to nick the goal. You know, late, be tight, be compact. You know, be be staunch. Don't don't be afraid to tackle through somebody. There were times during the Tottenham game, I was like, are you guys afraid to hurt them? Like, what do you, it's just, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like, I was like, what's going on here? Like, it's Spurs, lads. Like, get in, get stuck in, show, show a little bit that you want to get this ball back and up the other end of the pitch. And, you know, so far, I mean, this, this, this runs tough, but I just, I don't, I don't get the whole brigade of, you know, oh, it's going to capitulate into nothing and the season means nothing now for everything that we've done. No, this is, this is progress. We're not 17th. We're not going to hold on to the last day of the season. I don't know if it's because the past few seasons for Aston Villa have been very, very exciting and now we're having kind of a boring one now a little bit and now people are whining about it but like for me like this this is progress I'm seeing nothing but progress in this team but you know like you said some some of the players aren't going to make the cut here going, going forward no absolutely and you know we'll perhaps come on come on to that in a bit but I think um I think I think we've I've seen enough from Dean Smith to know that he can he can change it up he's not he's not just sticking to um obviously we saw it after restart but even just this season kind of game to game he will he will alter things tactically at certain times but but clearly um in an attacking sense we just have we just have no spark without without Grealish and, the, and these are the these are players that that we were quite pleased with before you know Traore Watkins um El Ghazi you know we've been we won't mention Trezeguet yet Craig <laughs> um but uh, we, you know, these are players that we have been quite pleased with up to, up to now in the season. So, you know, it's 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 just shown, it's just highlighted that 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 lack of interchangeability um, within the squad. And I genuinely think that everyone at the club probably thought that if anything happens to Jack, that Ross Barkley would be the answer to that. You know, great playing together earlier in the season, but. I remember saying, you know, if I've, I'm, I'm not worried about Jack Grealish getting injured so much because we have Ross Barkley, and that has just completely turned on its head. This, this, you know, this well since Christmas really, hasn't it? Yeah, I think we spoke about Ross Barkley a lot, and so I'll, I'll, one of the first things I said with Ross Barkley, I think, was after the Sheffield United game. You know, I said, um, I think that I'm happy to kind of keep trying with him because obviously he showed us in the beginning of the season that he has tremendous qualities that can really boost our team and that 
player is in there somewhere. But I also said, if it gets to the stage of the season where, you know, we're not going down, we're not going to qualify for Europe, I don't want to see Ross Barkley anymore. I want to see um, Sanson because he's going to be here next year. I want to see uh, Jacob Ramsey, maybe even some of the other younger players, Philogene um, Bidace, uh, Louis Barry, so on and so forth. Obviously different positions, but I'd rather we were giving minutes to players that are going to be with us in the long term. And I think we've reached that point now. I think Europe has gone. I think we've got a really tough run in after the uh, international break. Obviously we're safe in the league. So I think... These Premier League minutes are gold dust and I would really, if we're going to give 20 minute cameos to the bench, I'd rather not give them to someone who's going back to Chelsea. I'd rather give them to our youth players or players we're trying to develop uh, for ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I I, can, I agree with that at least. I, I think there's a lot a lot to be said about the, the future of this football club with our own youngsters that we have at the club. Um, you know, it is kind of a popular thing now and it's been for a while that you go and, you know, Villa, Villa have done their recruitment with their youth team the past few seasons now of getting in players and a little bit even under the radar and taking them away from bigger clubs that can offer them a bigger pay package or, you know, things like that. And you know, they wanted to go to Villa and they wanted to go to Villa for a reason. They've seen, seen where we're going. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I've said it before. I like Ross Bar- Barkley as a person. Everything that I've, you know, read about him or seen interviews with him, he seems like he's a really, really good dude. But I think that he's playing football scared after that last hamstring injury. Um, it appears that, you know, he he's just cursed with those hamstrings that are made of string cheese. And that sucks. And I feel really bad for it. Um, I've seen it happen to a lot of other athletes in a lot of different sports worldwide. And it's never a fun thing. It, it can be very harrowing and very deep. Um, you know, it, it depends how you pull yourself out of it. But with these games to go, I would like to see more of Jacob Ramsey because I think Villa, like, like, like I'm pointing toward the fact of the summer and everything. I think I, I'm not sure that Jacob Ramsey is going to have a spot in the immediate future in the Aston Villa squad. I think that he may, may get loaned out because we're going to go after a midfielder to replace Barkley with someone who's comparable to what we've seen of Barkley from the beginning of the season. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I want these minutes to go somewhere where it's going to matter. I don't want these to go to some, you know, alone or a, a player that you don't really envision, envision being here past the summer. So, yeah, it's just, at, at base point, I just want the club and I want the players to play with a little bit of pride. And I don't care if Jack's there or Jack's not there. It, you, you have to play with pride for the badge. I know it's tough. It's it's hard to, you know, get, get motivated and get forward thinking whenever there's really not much to play for and you're comfortable in the league. But... You know, Aston Villa supporters aren't going to put up with that crap for too long. You have to play. You have to play, you know, somewhat of at a level. And, man, it, you guys are right there. Like, it really hasn't been since Christmas, Andy. Yeah, it's um, it, it's certainly not been not been what we hoped for. And, uh, you know, maybe there are, there are lots of um, reasons for that. Obviously, the COVID break and, and, and various things like that. But, um, you know... <sighs> Obviously, you know, getting getting back to the game, it, it seemed inevitable. Spurs would kind of take advantage of, of, of Villa's lack of creativity, and it was a mistake really by Martinez. Um, you know, with a bit of dodgy distrib- distribution, um, and then you know, superb bit of interplay from from Harry Kane and, and Lucas Moura that um, you know set up uh, Vinicius um, to to basically tap into an open goal. Um, it, it, it just felt expected, even though we were kind of dominating. You just thought, you know, we, we just weren't weren't going to take advantage of that. It didn't feel like we were going to score, and and um, you know, as we know, once we're behind this season, we we struggle to take the lead or to to chase that that lead down. So, um, did this feel like like game over at this point, Mark? A little bit. It felt like a little bit a little bit game over to me, and like. Like you said, it's it, we don't see Villa really come back 
and I, the body it was the body language thing for me man like i know like everyone wants to pick apart stats and that's that's a fun thing to do every once in a while but like there's still an eye test there's still an identifiable eye test for me when i watch villa and I don't, the body language just wasn't there it was like you know this goal goes in they still have 15 minutes before they got to get to the to the changing room and there was it just seemed like there wasn't really a response there wasn't that get up and go you know i, I don't need you know someone like looking at the players and clapping their hands and screaming at them like let's go you know pointing to their head like switch on or anything like that but just some kind of identifiable pushback they were just like oh the goal went in all right no like no I, I don't know like that it's not not the way you want to see any you know sporting club go about their business it was just a little little worrying for me going into the halftime but I mean I I still felt like the game wasn't out of reach I was like you know as we're doing as well as we can and they, they scored the off goal but you know the the Martinez distribution problem and everything like kind of gave me like flashbacks arena a little bit you know where I'm just like oh no this is going to be one of those days but I, I don't know like Spurs are still a good side even with all the, the crap that's happened with them the past couple you know the past week especially with the North London Derby them getting you know completely just jabbed out of the Europa League and you know they're they're chasing the trophy they need one you know bad too so yeah I, I don't know it's just it, we got to get to the back to the point where you know it's it's you, just not even be dominative games just you know be able to hang in games and everybody in the league we've shown that previously this year I just don't know how it how it seems to not be that way much anymore Craig yeah I think it, it it's um I think it's it goes back to the, to the earlier discussion. Obviously, us not being able to chase a lead this this uh, or, or close down a lead or overturn a lead has been a little bit concerning, but that's been somewhat mitigated by the fact that we don't lose from winning positions. So it's not like we're doing one and up the other. Obviously, there's something psychological there. Um, perhaps Villa need to be on the front foot, but I thought that the fact that we didn't have a shot on target, um, you know, Loris hasn't had to make a save in the whole game yesterday um, at all you know, tells its own story. And it really goes back to the formation. I think that, um, you know, one of the big success stories in the Premier League is a team like Burnley. Now, Burnley are one of my least favourite teams to watch, and I don't particularly like watching them, but I have the utmost respect for them because they are a team that are more than the sum of their parts. I don't think any of their players are particularly good. Even Dwight McNeil, who lots of people seem to want to sign for Villa, I'm not convinced by myself. But they are a team that play to their strengths. And I think that while obviously Dean Smith team will never will never copy a Burnley team, if Dean Smith had switched from the 4-3-3, which just hasn't worked for weeks now, to a 3-5-2, perhaps get Davis and uh, up front with Watkins, um, not necessarily long balls, but, you know, get, you know, it, it's kind of old, old football, but, there, you know, there is do you know take less risks, get the ball up to Davis. He can hold it up. Give someone, uh, you know, to give 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 Watkins someone to work off of. Um, or if you want to do something more modern, you know, Hassan Hootles four two two two. You know, some of our strength is in our central players, and with that, you could have Louise, Nakamba, Sanson, and McGinn as kind of inverted wingers in the middle, pack out the middle of the pitch, be hard to break down, and you know, do a high press game. And then you've got Watkins and Trier up front, or Watkins and um, Davis up front. I just think that, especially when you're chasing a game, it is not great to see Dean Smith doing the same thing over and over again. I think actually Davis came on. Uh, yesterday and, and made a bit of an impact. I think that was actually, he did a wonderful turn. I think he turned um, 
Sanchez inside out. And um, and again, we looked a little bit more of a threat. Now, I'm not saying we were knocking on the door to equalise or or beat them, but it, it, was, it gave them something else to think about. So disappointed again with the um with the with with the lack of changing of the formation i think there's other options out there for us especially without Grealish to turn these games and i'd like to see dean smith take a leaf out of you know someone like brendan rogers's book who is more than happy to change things and pull people off at half time completely change the whole system um if it's not working i think sometimes dean smith has been a little bit too rigid and yesterday was another one of those occasions for me I mean, something that surprised me about Dean Smith, I think, since he has been at the club, I, I kind of expected him to be a little bit more open to making those changes and, and to and to kind of refreshing the team more regularly. I, I, I never got the feeling at Brentford, I may be completely wrong, but I never got the feeling when he was at Brentford that that he had such a such a strict kind of um, first 11 and, and that was it. It's very sort of just felt more interchangeable and... I'm sure they had players that played every week, but at the same time, it just felt 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 fresher in some ways. Um, whereas since he has been at Villa, and even going back, you know, to the first few games, I, I can remember, you know, he he kept that back four the same all every every week. Every, you know, whereas you know we were perhaps more used to Bruce kind of changing it regularly and freshening it up. But um, it is something that's continued, and and what what concerns me is that you get. You get this thing where if you don't make changes regularly or you don't use substitutions more readily, you you end up with players coming in for their first game of the season in January, February, and they're way off. They're way off the pace. Um, and that's been probably my something that I've never quite worked out. And, you know, look, we all give, we, we're all, you know, we said last week Dean Smith has got masses of credit in the bank, you know, so we, we don't question him too much. Um, but definitely, I mean, if you know, if if you're in a situation like this next next season, you know, and just say, for example, you're down one nil at home, and it's seventy minutes, and you've not made a substitution. I know he made earlier substitutions yesterday, but it's gonna, it's you know, it, it's things like that that turn a ground, and particularly Villa Park, it doesn't take much to turn it turn it quite um quite negative quite quickly, so. You know, he's kind of he's kind of got away with certain things this season. He's been able to do things the way, really, the way he wants to, and without that that added pressure from from the stands, really. But um, it's something that has surprised me about about Dean Smith for sure. That you know, and and this season, I think it's you know not having the crowd has made chasing leads harder. And I think I think a lot of teams have perhaps struggled with that. It's not just it's not just Villa, really. Games do kind of fizzle out a little bit. Um, after about eighty minutes, which um, you know we're not used to in the Premier League, we're used to big finishes, and you know a two 0 lead in the eighty fifth minute is is by no means three points, is it? Normally, but um, so you know it's 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 a t- it's a tough one, and I think I think it's something that that maybe we we give him this season, and you know and and and, and relook at it again next season when when hopefully things are. To some degree, back back to normal in terms of you know the game as a whole. Really, um, I don't know what you guys think of that. Yeah, go go ahead, Craig. And, and I, I've been I've been listening to you the past couple of weeks. So I, I love hearing you talk about this kind of stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the uh, yeah, I th- I think 
I think that I, I, I agree with everything that you're saying, Andy. I think that ultimately, ultimately, you know, Dean, Dean Smith has, has been on this journey with us and uh, his quirks and his management style and his personality are, I think, what has brought us to the dance and brought us to this level. So it's really not about throwing out the baby with the bathwater. What it is about is looking at places where we can improve, looking at spots where maybe he is, is being a little bit um, perhaps obtuse or, or failing to, or, or, or not really, you know, well, yeah, obtuse. He's, he's, he's played a 4-4-3 continually when we're not doing very well and he's not changed it. Now, at Brentford, it did feel like he, he made a lot more changes and it was all a, lot, a little bit more fluid. But, uh, you know, at Brentford, it's it's kind of a different kind of thing. Um, and I don't think that the, the two clubs are necessarily, it's easy to relate to them, uh, relate the two clubs together just because the setup's different, the expectations are different, you know, the ethos is different, everything is different. But what I would like to see from us moving forward is I'd like to see a little bit more of this... Um, I'd like to see a little bit more flexibility, and I think it's not unreasonable to ask for that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's unreasonable. I'm just not sure that I'm, I'm not sure Dean's going to do it this season. There's something that tells me he just wants to get this across the line. I think he knows that he has some some weak gaps in his his team and his squad. I mean, not the spine of the squad. We know that the the guys that are there, we know they're going to be there. They're signing the long term contracts. But I mean, as far as the quote unquote supporting cast, without trying to diminish what kind of players are going to bring in in the summer, I mean. As much as I've spoke highly about him, and I love the 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 Biggles way to Aston Villa story of Keenan Davis, I'm just not sure that that's going to be a thing next season. I, I hate to say it, and you know, I, I love the story, you know, as I just said, but you know, this you're, you in the Premier League, you really can't afford not to be like, okay, Ollie's not having a good day. It's the 63rd minute. I need someone who's going to play. Not just I get the whole, you know, we have Wesley and he's a bigger body and things like that, but you know that the lack of depth is not going to get you very far in the Premier League. And now Aston Villa have owners where they're not going to deal with mid-table mediocrity for too too much longer. And I just don't think, you know, not that they got Keenan or anything like that. You know, it's just I just don't think players of that caliber caliber will be with us moving forward. I I think that's something that where Dean kind of just like. Man, all right. So, like, we turned it around. We had a really good start of the season. You know, I do think I don't think Villa's gonna, you know, draw or lose out to the end of the season. I think they will get wins along the way before the, you know, the end of the season. But I, I just there's definitely at least. I mean, it's it's not even me. I'm I'm hearing it on like other podcasts of other clubs that are coming up against the Villa that I listen to, and they're just like, yeah, they have no depth here. Why 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 don't they, you know. To try to switch things out this and that way. I mean, if these are fan channels and things like that, seeing those, then I would I would like to hope that Dean Smith knows that as well for next season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's something I know, I know you you wanted to kind of discuss. I mean, I don't think there's much point going over too much about the the game really because it you know it, it did kind of just carry on. I mean, Spurs just grew into the game and took control of it really and scored the penalty and. We can talk all day long about whether it should have been a penalty. I think it, I think it was, um, you know. But I know, I know, Mark, you wanted to, you know, talk about a little bit about perhaps the summer and and you know, relate some of the some of the um, things about you know the, the, one of the owners, Wes Edens, and and how he goes about things with the Milwaukee Bucks, um, and maybe how that might translate to to Aston Villa. Um, this summer and, and in subsequent transfer windows. 
Yeah, well, the thing with West Edens is, I mean, it's just just to give like a, a brief, I guess, history, and this, there's going to be a lot of things missing from this, but basically, West Edens, you know, buys into the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks have a completely old, outdated arena. The team's not very good. They're, they're one, one of the worst, if not the worst teams in the entire league by the time that he starts investing into this club. Um, years go by, you know, he starts to do things like he gets them a new arena, state-of-the-art, beautiful place, absolutely beautiful. Now with that comes the sense of pride of the players, you know, then he goes out and he gets a Hall of Fame coach by the name of Jason Kidd. Uh, he was able to trade for him. You can do that in the NBA. You can trade for coaches. Um, gets Jason Kidd. Um, you know, they start to rebuild. They have the biggest turnaround ever in one season from being dead last to, you know, being about middle of the pack, a little bit higher than middle of the pack. So there's there's things that happen. Wes, Wes Eden's a, a sports-savvy guy, and he's a business-savvy guy. You know, he knows a lot about sports. He knows what it takes to rebuild. He likes having the people in place to make sure that a rebuild is, you know, it, not even a fast thing, but just, you know, you're making the progress. So he's not going to be afraid to make the decisions or put his two cents in whenever he's you know, feels the need to have to do that. Now, he's also an, another kind of guy that he, he likes to launch into these financial endeavors when he really believes in them, and he's not afraid to throw money at things. Like, for instance, he's, he's wanting, you know, to build railroads out in California to make it faster. He's like, what's the worst thing about living in California? It's the traffic. Why are we still doing this? Why don't we have, you know, things that can get you from the northernmost point of California down to the southernmost point? Wouldn't that make more sense instead of sitting in six, seven hours worth of traffic? You know, so he, he's got his money all over the place. The, the guy's really smart about things. And like I said before, I don't think he's going to allow Villa to sit in this mid-table mediocrity thing for too long. Um, he's very good at identifying problems in all sectors of things that he's done with his money. So I really think that it's going to be a, a big summer for Villa yet again. Um, I'm not saying – I don't think it might push the 150 mil mark or anything like that. But I, I don't think Villa fans are really – on board with how passionate and how knowledgeable this man is for wanting to turn things around. And when him and Nassif Sararis talked about, you know, wanting to be good stewards for Aston Villa, that made my ears perk up like I was a dog because I went, oh, well, these guys don't mess around in their sector. They're not here to be to just be a part of it. They want to take the whole damn thing. And again, that's a very American mindset for Mr. Edens. I'll admit to that. But just just practice some patience everybody we don't we don't have to get carried away because we're in poor form all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think one of the big things that we do, that i certainly try and do is 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 to look at the wider picture and obviously the progress has been wonderful but i think that we're seeing the um i think that we're seeing the uh, you know it's kind of fur coat no knickers um to to coin i think a british face uh, phrase is um is when we have the full team out and Jack Grealish is there and Barkley was playing, they're all playing this sexy football and it's all looking wonderful. And Douglas Louise is 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 you know just this this just just bright spark in the middle of the park. It all looked wonderful, but now that we've lost our fur coat, we've seen that underneath there isn't a lot there. And I do completely think that 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 these guys are serious. Perslow serious. Everything you know, talk is cheap in any walk of life. Uh, but these guys have been very quiet, actually, but they've certainly let their money do the talking and they've let their actions do their talking. And most of all, the results have done the talking. You know, as we've already discussed, 13th to the championship to mid-table comfort in the Premier League is not a typical um, trajectory for someone taking over a championship club. So they're serious. I know they're going to be serious. And moving into the next... 
um, level is going to be really exciting. But there are going to be growing pains, and these are the growing pains they're experiencing right now, and it sucks. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah it, it sucks. And like you know, we we talked about this. I mean, this was uh, this was when we first got promoted. I, I said it on the podcast. I was like, listen, like all these players that we just signed, there's a good chance fifty percent of them won't be there in three to four seasons' time. There's a really good chance because it's gonna it's gonna ha- have to come in phases. It's not just like we have super wealthy owners and now we're you know we're we're fighting for Champions League spots. No, like just you gotta. I don't know. For me, I, I've been I've been you know a fan of multiple different sports and different teams. Like I've watched crap teams for a long time. You know what I mean? But then when they finally get there and it gets all put together, whichever way it does, you know it's a great feeling. But it it never ha- it's never happened overnight. You know, there's always, yeah, the destination. We can see the destination, but you got to have a little bit of adventure on the way. And, yeah, poor form sucks. But, I mean, come on, man. It wasn't, it wasn't like Wes Edens and the Cesar Ferraris bought the club and all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're talking about going to Istanbul or anything. You know, it's just that's just not the way it works. We should, we should just be really, really happy that these were the owners. These were the guys that wanted to steward the club in the right direction. Because as of right now, I mean, yeah, it's a, again, like I said earlier, it's a, ultimately, it's a pretty boring season. We're not fighting for anything right now. You know, and the past couple of years, Villa fans haven't had that, so maybe they're just a little upset about like, man, we we need something. We need something to get excited about. Well, yeah, like, no, we didn't go to <laughs> Wembley, guys. Sorry, sorry, they're they're not going to know your draft order next year. You know, sorry. You know, I don't. <laughs> there's also something cultural here, and I've carried it with me over to the states, and um, I'm going to probably annoy lots of people here. But uh, so let me talk about the whole city of Birmingham or the West Pillars region. Let me just talk about my family. <laughs> my family. It's cultural for us, and maybe that has something to do with our region. To have like we like to have a winch. Uh, believe me, I've been I've been I've been and dealing I with the brummy that... winch since I started doing this about four years ago. Believe me, and, I've been dealing with it all the and, time, Craig, all the time. People in Birmingham, I think, also like to have a bit of a winch. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just part of the. It's just part of the because we're you know it's a it's a really working class city we you know we're self-depreciating people and you know we're funny people i think you know lots of good comedians come out of birmingham and i just think we do like to have a bit of a moan we like to have a little bit of a joke but um you know it is all it is all rosy you know the trajectory is incredible the improvement is incredible and the fact that we are about to talk about i think you know who stays and who goes are going to show us just how far that we're moving. You know, just in a few weeks when the summer transfer window opens. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I echo that about the um, about the Birmingham people. I can say that I'm certainly <laughs> a, a little bit like that, particularly at games. Um, but I, but I think I think um, another thing I would I would add to that there is that about about the Birmingham people. But in terms of Aston Villa fans, let's not forget we had we're still getting over a quite a big a big trauma in a foot in a football context you know of, of what happened to us a few years ago and 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 also what continued to happen and nearly losing the club entirely you know not only having you know in the last few years we've not only had the worst season in our history we've also nearly gone bust you know so yeah we always seem to land on our feet though with Villa don't we and 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 that's something. I mean, you, you ask you ask Birmingham City fans, you know what what they think. They'll probably say you're always okay. You always end up, you know, sunny side up, <laughs> so to speak. You know, with with um, <laughs> with whatever happens. And you know, I'd certainly rather be in our position than theirs. But it's it's um, it is still there. You can still see. It doesn't take an awful lot for 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 the cracks in the in the fan base to start appearing. You know, and I do think as well, it's been all played out completely on social media. There's no, 
There's no face-to-face or within the ground or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I, I say to people, you know, uh, you know, on WhatsApp chats and that, you know, they'll say, oh, you're being really negative. I'm like, after a game, this is my walk back to the train now. This right. is where I'm yeah. getting out all that all that negative stuff that I'm and that anger that I have to and unfortunately they have to take the brunt of it which they might not want to for much longer I think but you know <laughs> it's it's that kind of it's that kind of thing but we haven't got that it's all just it's all just flowing into social media isn't it and that's already a cesspit so you know <laughs> with the added with the added element of that it's 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 not so good is it plus we are brummies and we like a win <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, just just kind of moving on. Then you, you said there, Craig. You know the, about the about the summertime and the 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 um the transfer window and so on. And you know, it feels a little bit perhaps like some a bit of times running out for some of these players. You know, even players that have been quite good to us um, over their their time at the club. Um, you know, obviously we've mentioned Barkley. You know, we talked talked Barkley to death, haven't we? Really over the weeks and. Really, if there's any, if there's any common sense, he'll be gone um, back to Chelsea. Um, but also, guys like Trezeguet and Al Ghazi, and you know, can they offer? What can they offer going forward next season? Anything at all? Well, I um, there's there's there's. Oh, I'll be losing. Oh, am I here? Can you hear me? Oh no, I'm here. Carry on. Um, Trezeguet <laughs> and El Ghazi is like the uh, it's become like the age old uh, Villa Twitter battle it's like um, it's like Lampard versus Gerard or I don't know it's become like a it's become like folklore so I think that Villa are going to probably sign the same kind of number of players that they did um, last season. I don't think they're going to do another 12-13 players as they did when as they had to do uh, by the way when we came up because I think we've learned that that is not the best way to do things. Which means there is going to be a more gradual turn, uh, churn. So for sure you're going you're going to look at a new right back and a new left back uh, because obviously Elmo and um and um, Taylor are going to be along their way. So that's two players already. You're probably going to look for another center forward. There's three. You can look for a replacement for Barkley. That's four. So, and then you're probably going to buy one winger, you know, at most, which is five. So you probably can't replace both of them. Um, and some of it, so some of them are going to stay on. So if you're going to keep one of them, I would always keep Al Ghazi. Um, I think that Trezeguet, as I've said already, and I'll say again, I think he's the worst football player at the football club. But I balance that by saying that he was also part of our best team this season. So he does have a value. Um, but just, you know, I think our best chance of the game, which was only a half chance, admittedly, yesterday fell to Trezeguet. Um, nice cut back on the byline from Morgan Sanson. Uh, ball falls to Trezeguet in a reasonable area just uh, around the penalty spot. I don't think anyone had any ideas that he was going to score it. You know, it ended up being a tame shot. I think it bounced off a defender and then um, uh, Traore missed the ball completely. So I think I would see Traore being our first substitute winger I think that would be a good place to be next season and Al Ghazi being a fourth choice winger I think is absolutely fine I do think one day one day and it might not be till he's 31 and playing in Holland or something one day Al Ghazi is going to put all the pieces together and he's going to have one hell of a season <laughs> but um, 
I don't think that's going to be this year. I don't think it's going to be next year. And probably long term, it's not going to be for Aston Villa. I think El Ghazi probably will follow him a year later. But I think, you know, Trezeguet, um, for me, time's up. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you on everything that you say with the left and right backs. You know, you got to find, you know, a little bit of solidity after, uh, you know, Neil Taylor departs and Elmo is not going to, he's not going to stick around either. Um, but yeah, the Trezeguet thing, I, I agree with you 100% there. I think Trezeguet is the first to go. El Ghazi not too far out the door behind him, maybe a season two if we're being a little bit generous. I think El Ghazi still has a little bit to give as far as a substitute role, but I know he doesn't like that. You can tell from his just general body language, it just seems like that's really not something he's interested in. So he might go before then. I, I just I don't see them both going at the same time. Um, I'm very, very curious and a little bit of excited to see what happens with that Ross Barkley role. I'm curious who they bring in there. And again, I just feel like... Like maybe with Ramsey, maybe he just he, he's kind of got himself into a, a sticky situation where a loan for an entire year might not be the worst thing that happens for him and Villa go out and get another center mid. But then you're starting to creep into the whole conversation of, you know, what's really going on with Douglas Louise. I mean, he he could be one that, you know, we might have to take a look at, too, if Man City come calling. So yeah, I think there's going to definitely be a, a lot of. A lot of ins. Um, as far as the outs, I mean, are we really going to hang on to Ingles? Are they just happy with where Ingles at? Are you going to try to make a buck off him real quick and, you know, use that money for other areas? You know, maybe try to get a center back up from the academy or things like that. I don't, I don't know. There's definitely some moving parts here for Villa coming up in this summer. But um, I think it's. I think a couple of the signings are going to turn some heads. I don't think it's going to be anything like how you guys talked about previously about the CVs of some of these players. I don't think they're going to be, you know, looking into these kind of obscured leagues. I think they actually want identifiable talent that fix, fits whatever kind of, you know, data metric that they're looking at as far as Ross Barkley. And, you know, even Jack when he played there as a 10, you know, you can even look back on games like that and try to get a feel for how Dean Smith envisions that area of the pitch to be operating and we haven't seen that in quite a while um but yeah I wouldn't I I wouldn't even entertain the idea right now of bringing Ross Barkley to Villa on a permanent um but yeah they're definitely gonna have to figure something out for the wings I just think that Trezeguet just like you said Craig I think his time's kind of up and you know I'll be I'll be thankful for you know what he did for Project Restart in those last couple games there but I mean that's that's can any, is that that's it maybe maybe in the what was that the FA Cup I think he scored a goal League Cup that, semi final was it yeah the League Cup yeah League Cup, League Cup. yeah League Cup yeah. final yeah. yeah other than yeah. that I mean there's there's really not much that he's he's done to put him I guess uh, above anybody else in those areas I don't know I, I think Traore is still trying to figure out a little bit of how to operate in this league but. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough, and a lot of people are going to be upset to see Trezeguet and then El Ghazi go. But honestly, I think I think that's the medicine that, that's going to you know get Villa forward. You got you can't can't have you know everybody playing at the same time on the same game. So you're going to have to find players that are okay with their roles. And Trezeguet is going to want to. He's probably going to be one of those players that feels he played in the Premier League just enough to get a, a really lucrative move somewhere else, and no one should be standing in his way if that's the case. No, I'd go with that, and I think I think that's it's part of developing the team, isn't it? You know, um, you have a, you have different players for different different periods during your your journey, I suppose, um, for want of a better word. But you know, Trezeguet has certainly done done us proud at times, but he's 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 clearly not at not at the level we need, and certainly, you know, not when you you consider, you know, if if is essentially replacing Jack Grealish that it's just night and day it's it's not it's not going to work and you know I just I just wanted to ask a little bit about the the other side of that because obviously fans like to talk about you know who are we okay about about shedding who's okay to leave 
but I just saw this week that um, Emmy Martinez agent had, had piped up and uh, started talking, you know, not saying, obviously saying he's, he's, he's happy, but also saying that there's no doubt that he could play for, for any club and perform well. Um, you know, th- there might be situations where players who we don't want to leave, I mean, we've, We've had this with Jack Grealish. I think Jack Grealish is is too expensive for anyone. I don't think he's actually going to um, going to be able to be afforded at the moment by by anyone. But but there might be other players who we've grown very attached to who who might who will be attracting the interest of other of other clubs. What, 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 where do we stand on that? I think that um, it's good news. You know, I think that when you know, especially big teams are interested in your players, it's because they're playing well. I think that it's uh, it's telling actually talking about interest in our players. John McGinn was all over the place uh, last year, you know, heavily linked with lots of clubs, and now it's silent, you know, because he hasn't been, you know, in the same in the same vein. Uh, Douglas Louise, I've already said, I'm a big Douglas Louise fan, not in the best of form, but you know, he's still a very young man. I think that no one would be surprised if Man City bought him, even if they're not buying him from the Man City squad, buying him to sell him along. Um, but I hope that Douglas Louis stays with us. And I think that um, it's about the project. I think the way that Jack Grealish and other players are going to be, and Emmy Martinez and um, Konza as well, there's going to be interested in him. Uh, Cash as well, the way he's going, they'll be interested in him too. I think the way that we keep these players is by continuing to progress and showing them that, okay, listen, this is a team that is aiming for European football, uh, perhaps even Champions League football, and we're going we're gonna to demonstrate our ambition by bringing in the players that can support you with that. And um, going back to the earlier point about, you know, the top level, the, the kind of players we like to bring in, you know, I would, this might be pie in the sky or it might not be pie in the sky, but my number one transfer target wouldn't be actually Tammy Abraham. It would be uh, Julian Draxler, whose contract is up. Um, you know, he's uh, at PSG on wonderful pedigree, wonderful talent, hasn't quite necessarily hit the heights that um, he was kind of expected to. But that's, you know, if he had, he'd be going to Real Madrid or Barca. <laughs> so uh, someone like a Julian Draxler who can play across, you know, in, in a 4-2-3-1, he can play in the Ross Barkley role. He's big, he's quick, he's uh, wonderful technique. He can pop up with a goal, he can pop up with an assist. And also he's a lot more durable than Ross Barkley is. And he can also play out on the left. He can play on the right of the three. Him and Grealish could dovetail. If you're bringing in someone of that quality... Um, just as an example, that is going to say to all the players, Villa are in business, we're looking to do things here, which hopefully is the kind of calibre of signing that we're going to be looking at moving forward. Yeah, I'd, I would be completely over the moon if we got Julian Draxler. I've kept an eye on him for, for a little while there. And that that's definitely, you're right, that's definitely the kind of player that this is, that's, I don't want to say that it's definite, like we're, we're definitely going to get a player like him or him, but that's the direction we have to go. And, and like you're right, it shows a lot to the players on the pitch and, and the squad that like, hey, no, we're, we're not we're not messing around anymore. We have places we want to go. And it's 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 harsh. And I know it's you know, it's, it's not every player reacts well to this, but it's almost like step up your game or you got to go. Like, look what we're bringing in. If you can play with somebody like this and we can make, you can put it together and work, you have a spot. If you don't, you don't. There can't, there's, there's no love loss when it comes to success in the Premier League. You know, you got to make difficult decisions. And sometimes that, that's bringing in a player for, you know, a, a decent to really big amount of money that, to solidify your squad out. And I, I think Villa are definitely in the, on track to get to that point. I think, I think this summer, especially, I, I, 
to, just to be clear, Wes Edens didn't lose a lot of money through the pandemic as, as a lot of the other Premier League owners. The man's very smart. We have a little bit to splurge, whether that's being publicized or not. You can just kind of do your little digging on, you know, what he owns and what the market is and what his stocks look like and things like that. It's 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 not a you know, we, we don't we don't have to lay off any of the tea ladies, you know, because, because of what's happened in the past year. Nasef Sawaris as well, um, uh, our Egyptian owner, has also I saw an article that he's he's. His net worth has gone through the roof during the pandemic, so I think both of them have, have done quite well. Yeah, if they re- if they really truly want to want to get on and do this thing this this coming summer, I think Villa's going to turn a lot of heads if they decide that this is the this is the season to try to kickstart into Europe next year. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there is a, an element of a window of opportunity, um, isn't there? With about this summer, where you sort of think, well, we've got we've already got a good side. You know, in terms of the Premier League, and we've got wealthy owners, and we we've we've got now two years behind us in the Premier League, so it feels like there's an opportunity really to to really kind of kick on and go go for it. Um, and it's just whether they whether they do and whether they can get get certain things done, I suppose. And I mean, it's it's just brilliant to be in a in a position again where we are talking about players of of the the caliber of someone like Draxler and you know and even even the, the you know the the other player you mentioned Tammy Abraham who admittedly we had in the championship but this is a guy that's that's scoring at the top end of the Premier League or has been and and also in the Champions League so there's a lot of pedigree with 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 Abraham as well although we we kind of think of him as as a our our championship hero don't we rather than you know the player he's actually become uh since that really so but it's 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 great to be talking about those players and I'm sure that um this summer I, th- I think it's interesting what you say about about almost sending a statement to the other players um not just to the fans and the other teams but to the to our players who might be thinking well you know do I need to to kind of get out of here and and, and make take advantage of of this good form um and make a bit of a step up um, that actually Aston Villa is the place that, that they can achieve achieve what they want to in the game and they can maybe win trophies and they can get England call-ups or national call-ups, whatever. You know, I like. think, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about the England call-ups in a moment, but I think this is a, a wonderful opportunity to leapfrog other teams as well because um, we've seen already with the, um, I think the Morgan Sanson deal was the largest deal uh, or certainly one of the largest deals, you know, in the whole of football in January. And he was rumoured to be, um, Marseille were rumoured to have turned down a 20 plus million pound bid for him from West Ham in the previous summer. We've picked him up for 14 million. So the fact that we're in this strong financial position, the fact that the financial fair play rules have been relaxed, the fact that we've now got our third year of Premier League revenue guaranteed means that if the owners do wish to uh, make a splash, they could probably do so a lot more cheaply than they would have otherwise because COVID is going to really, has really rinsed um, lots of lots of the finances of lots of clubs. And um, obviously bad for the other clubs, but, you know, with my Aston Villa hat on, yeah, great absolutely. for Aston Villa. Absolutely. Right, I mean, you mentioned it there, the England the England squad was announced um, last Thursday and, you know, you, you called it, I think, Craig, you, you said this time last week that um <laughs> Ollie Watkins um might might make it into that squad you know with with certain players that were missing and um I think it was between him and Bamford and and the press went heavy on Bamford didn't they beforehand but but it was Ollie Watkins that got the call 
um, despite perhaps his, his worst spell in the side since um, since he came to Villa. Um, you know, obviously you 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 spotted this one last week, Craig. Um, I mean, he has been perhaps suffering from a bit of fatigue lately, and obviously Grealish, his main supply supply line, be being out. Um, but I mean, he must deserve. He surely deserves this opportunity. And, and how much are you looking forward to to seeing Ollie? You know, hopefully getting a bit of game time for England. Uh, I'm delighted for him. I think that he is. I don't know him. I've never met him, but he seems to be a really good guy and a really hardworking guy. And he seems to have that winner's mentality. I like it that he's continually dissatisfied because that's what winners are. They're continually dissatisfied. They always want more. They always want to improve. They have an insatiable appetite for improvement. And Ollie has that. Um, I think that I've said about Ollie Watkins, he is really still at the beginning of his journey. I think at 25, you know, you know, players like uh, and I'm, you know, players like Drogba, uh, players like Vardy, players like Ian Wright. If we go back a bit further, lots of these players kind of started late and then really kicked on as they got 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 into their late 20s and early 30s. I think Ollie Watkins is going to be one of these players that we don't see the best of for the two or three years, and he's already very good. So I think the reason he got picked out of ba- uh, over Bamford is because of that. I think that he is. Uh, I think um, he's he's. Bamford is already at his ceiling. Bamford isn't going to get any better. Um, Bamford is at his absolute peak, and um, whereas Ollie Watkins, I think, is only just scratching the surface of what of, of what he can be, and him playing or training for a couple of weeks with the likes of uh, Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling and uh, Calvert Lewin is only going to increase his desire to get better and and also show him the way. So delighted for Ollie Watkins, also delighted for Exeter too. Um, Exeter's a, a, a place close to my my heart and our family's heart, and I'm glad that the Exeter City are going to get um, a few hundred thousand pounds, apparently, uh, every, you know, if he plays. So, um, good news all round. Yeah, I know. You, I know you love talking about about England, Mark. What, what, were you pleased to <laughs> pleased to hear about this this news? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't like criticizing England for for one, but I, I don't mind talking about them when things like this happen with you know players of the the club I support. So yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled for Ellie Watkins. And he deserves it. I actually have a, a a very close person to me who's a Leeds United supporter, and they texted me as soon as the England uh, sheet came out with the, the players who are going to be involved, and he was like, "Well, how in the hell do you reckon that that Ollie Watkins?" gets in over Patrick Bamford. And I was like, well, I think it's work rate and attitude. And that wasn't me. I didn't mean that as like a joke, but my friend thought that I meant it as a joke. And I was like, no, seriously, do you think Gareth Southgate wants to watch someone roll around on the ground every time they get touched? I was like, this is this is Patrick Bamford's pass catching up to him. It has nothing to do with his damn football ability. We know that guy can score goals. But look look at the way that Ollie Watkins carries himself on a pitch and look at the way Patrick Bamford does. I'm not saying Bamford's out there like being being, you know, nasty to you know other players or anything like that, but like we know he doesn't have the greatest past in terms of how he kind of goes about his business. So if you compare the two, I think it's it's kind of a no-brainer why Watkins would get in because the the manager's Gareth Southgate. I think that, you know, Gareth might like the fact that, you know, not obviously not in the starting capacity, but if he throws Ollie Watkins on at the end of the game and he notices the opposition backline's already starting to breathe heavy and starting to show signs of wearing down, and then Ollie Watkins comes onto the pitch at 65, 70 minutes, 75 minutes even, that, that team's doomed. They're not going to want to know what to do with that with Ollie when he's on on the pitch. So I mean, for me, I can I can I can see exactly why he got over you know got it into the squad over Bamford. I also think that you know if he if he does see the pitch this time, that's great. It seems like sometimes Southgate has these auditionary call ups to it's just like hey, this is where it is, and if you want more of this, keep doing your thing. 
So I think I, th- I think that might be some, that might be one of the things about it. But I'm I'm thrilled for him. I, I hope he does well. I hope he enjoys the experience, and I hope to see him in an England shirt. And, you know, unless you know, it's the USA kicking him out of a World Cup. But that's it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I think the point about about Ollie Watkins and his 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 physicality. You know, we've talked about it. His pace, his phys- physicality, and his goal scoring is is one thing. But it, it's his coachability as well, which Dean Smith often talks about and, and Gareth Southgate will really will really like that because he knows that Ollie Watkins will, will do will do as he's asked to do, essentially, and he'll he'll learn from it. Um I I, I did wonder whether he was a, he was kind of hoping for a couple of weeks off really. Um after after the season he's had, you know, playing every minute for Villa and, you know, looking looking slightly fatigued over the last couple of games. But he'll be bouncing, won't he, when he gets back from England duty, and hopefully he's 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 been able to to get on the field for a little bit. And I think it's um it's absolutely brilliant to see a player like him. It was the same with Jamie Vardy and Tyra Mings, you know, players who who come through the leagues not not through the traditional channels and 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 come up and and get to the top and get to play for their country. I think it's. It's it's excellent. Whether whether he'll make the Euro squad is is another matter, um, but he, he he's just got to make sure he takes this opportunity and doesn't do himself any any disservice while he's away over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think he's going to do himself proud. I think you know with Ollie Watkins, he's going to show up. He's going to work incredibly hard, and he's going to be like a sponge. And I think that it's only going to benefit Aston Villa him having this couple of weeks training with those elite level players, and so he can see the work that he has to put in. Um, to get to that next level with Aston Villa and hopefully cement his England career. Um, I, I wouldn't have thought he would be in the Euro squad, but, you know, never say never. He could uh, he could very well, uh, you know, Gareth Southgate could fall in love with him, you know, a bit like he does with Eric Dyer. And Eric Dyer gets picked regardless, so you never know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I still think they're related somehow. I don't know how, but he Southgate's got, I, I don't know, maybe he has some incriminating it's, photos it's or something incredible. of Southgate. <laughs> the, the, Eric Dyer is still picked. And this this is from like an outside pointers, you know, an outside point of view. Like I don't like follow England. Obviously, I was born in the states. That's where most of my international allegiance lie. But man, I don't. There's got to be something there, Craig. I don't know what it is, brother. But there's got to be something that Eric Dyer has on on Southgate to keep picking him because I I don't know. I just don't think the guy's that great of a footballer. Oh, he's not, and he's an even worse centre half. And he's you know he's been obviously this isn't the Eric Dyer part. He hasn't played in five or six weeks. And um, right, uh, Michael Keane. Never mind concert. Michael Keane should be. I mean, I wouldn't have Dyer um maybe as the backup dm event if henderson's um injured but um i, I as a center back never never ever ever i mean j- just getting back to 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 grealish i suppose i mean obviously he's missed out on this squad um i mean do you think do you think that's a problem for him now looking at the euros he might he might kind of fall out of favor a little bit might fall behind perhaps foden and mount and and one or two others um and potentially not make that that Euro squad. Well, he has fallen behind Foden. Um, he's already behind Mount, as we spoke about last week. Mount is another one who, um, you know, Southgate. Mount will play regardless of of what he does. A bit like Dyer, um, but um, Grealish has fallen behind Phil Foden. Phil Foden now is the guy who is on the tip of everyone's tongue. Man City are flying. He's a big part of that, and he's in great form. Um, Grealish's form had fallen off. Uh, a cliff a little bit prior to his injury and now he's got to come back and he's got to prove himself which is good for Aston Villa because it means when he comes back against Fulham 
Jack Grealish should have the bit between his teeth and be like, okay, I need to perform at my optimum level to ensure that I've got a seat on that plane. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and we've seen it from Jack whenever he does come back. He comes back like a house on fire anyway. So I think that, uh, you know, we, we we could be just just now talking about how poor the form has been. And if you get a fired up Jack Grealish that thinks he really slid out of a Euro spot, you I mean, it might it might get it might turn into the Jack Grealish show for the rest of the season when he when he comes back. <laughs> well, I mean, that, like like say, that can only be good for, for Villa, can't it? I was I was a little bit concerned when he he didn't get in that or he wasn't fit for that squad. Um for this squad because there's not a lot of time in international football to, to make your mark really and and it moves on very quickly and before we know it um, Southgate will be picking that that 23 for the for the Euros and places are a premium particularly in, in Jack's position um, and he's going to have to have a, a really a really good end to the season for me to get in I would pick him he'd be in my team I'd build the team around him, and I'm sure we all three of us would would do that, and all Villa fans would. But Southgate doesn't think think like that. He wants players, you know, who are who are integral for him, and and you know, um, at the, at this point, Jack has never been has never been that player yet. So um, it's going to be a tough one for him, I think. He's yeah, I I think that. Um... It's going to be a really interesting last 10 games. I don't know um, Madison, Harvey Barnes. I don't know if they're due to be back, but those those guys have were in fine form as well prior to their injuries. So there is big competition, which is good for England. But I think Jack Grittish thrives off of that kind of pressure. And I think that um, he'll want to prove himself to be England's premier kind of attacking force in the next 10 games. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All them um, getting back to, 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 to more... Club matters really. Dean Smith assured fans that that Grealish would be back um, for the next match um, against against Fulham in two weeks, and it, it's also thought that Wesley would be involved in a in a training match next week and could be available after the international break as well. Um, both, I think, would be a, a huge boost for Villa going into the last ten games, and obviously we've just just touched on it there. Um, I mean, we do have little to play for, but but how important is it? Do you think to finish the season strongly? Um, have a really positive finish and maybe break the 50, 50 point mark and finish in the top half of the table? I think it's going to be incredibly important. I think that you can already see that the fans, I wouldn't say we have a bitter taste in our mouth, but as we've talked about already on this podcast, you know, people are already whinging and moaning because it's been a poor run of form. And I think that some of the complaints are a little bit, you know, a little bit far-fetched, but some of them are reasonable and, and valid. Villa have been playing badly all year. Um, and that it's fine to say that. But what we do need to do is try and integrate. Um, I talked earlier about those Premier League minutes being gold dust, you know, and um, we've got to get them. We've got to get those minutes into Wesley. I mean, obviously, Wesley isn't going to be back to his best this season, um, but he's another one that, you know, could be using those minutes along with Jacob Ramsey and Sanson to get ready for next season. And um, I think that our strongest 11 actually hasn't been on the pitch so far this season because I think Wesley's in it. I know Wesley has a lot of boo boys, but I think a front three of Wesley, a fluid front three, I should say, of Wesley, Jack Grealish and Ollie Watkins, it would be our best uh, forward line that we have available and uh, we haven't seen them together yet. Wesley got a lot of criticism for dropping deep and not necessarily being in the box when you wanted him to. and um, But that would work in a fluid front, front three because Jack can go in there and Ollie can go in there. So I'd love to see that the, the three of those guys start a game together before the end of the season. Who knows if, if Wesley will have 
we'll be ready to start a game. Um, but um, hopefully he comes through this this uh, training game unscathed and um, hopefully we can see him back in a Villa shirt, um, you know, maybe even as soon as Fulham. That would be amazing. Yeah, I think you have to get some kind of positivity going from now until the end of the season. I think they'll do that. I'm, I'm right there with you on Wesley, too. I've always been the supporter of the underdog, especially, you know, an underdog that comes from, you know, a place like Wesley does. And then, you know, we all know about his story now and how he grew up and then gets his move uh, to Bruges and then, you know, to Villa and then that horrible injury that he sustained. I want to see him come back and I want to be him to be successful. I'm not going to say he's going to put 35, 40 goals in the back of the net. That would be crazy. But I do think he has a place in this team. We did pay a lot of money for him. Dean Smith seems to really like him for his character and also for his, his physicality nature. I, I tell you what, if I ever saw the, the Grealish Wesley Watkins front three, I'd love that. I, I don't know if Dino's going to experiment. I hope that he does a little bit to get that to work. Um, that would that would be really fun to see for me. But yeah, just a little bit of positivity. Like I said, Jack's on his way back. He usually comes back with a, with a little bit of you know a little bit of grit under his fingernails, ready to go. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that happens. But you know, it's it's not doom and gloom. You know, this is all part of the process. Like I said, I don't I do not think that Villa draw or lose out from now until the rest of the season. There's going to be wins along the way. Um, you know, you might see, you know, you never know. You might see Morgan Sanson, you know, get up to speed still. I, you know, I still, you know, I wrote about it, you know, when we first got Sanson, but I think that he was one that Villa wanted to get this coming summer. And then Sanson fell out of favor with his coach at Marseille and decided, hey, no, I want out of here now. Come get me. And, you know, I think that's why Villa were able to get him on the cheap and for what he did. So, yeah, it's just a, just a, progression keep progressing keep it's a it's a project you know it's going to continue on and on and on but yeah a little bit of positivity here would be great going into the summer for sure yeah I do think form kind of um, continues as well doesn't it and a strong finish to a season can often kind of carry on through to the to the following season and in Doug Ellis's days a strong finish was always based around season ticket sales but I think um, I think to be honest There'll be no um, shortage of people wanting to take up the uh, the season tickets for next season, um, if and when they become available. So we'll, we'll obviously see how that goes. There, there is a two week break now um, until the Fulham match, but I think um, if 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 Craig, Mark, and whoever Dan maybe is up for it, we could do a a show next week. And I, I think we're we're um, still still waiting on on Regan and, and Georgia too. Put a date together for the Villa Villa Women's podcast, which should should be out also in the meantime. So so we'll look forward to that as well. Um, Under Gaslit Lamp is on is on all the um, major uh, social media channels. So please give us a follow, and uh, and obviously look at the um, head over to the the website as well to to check out the uh, the great writing that's going on. I think we've got Mark back on board now. I think you've done something recently, Mark. So. Um, you know, check check that out in a in a couple of days, hopefully, and uh, yeah, and 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 obviously, you know, have a good have a good couple of weeks. Enjoy the international break if you can. Um, we'll hopefully speak to you next week. Stay safe and up the villa.